this is Steve Rowell, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Home, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, wearing tank tops podcast. Yay, we're both wearing tank tops. I just oh watched you take your shirt off. I know. And reveal your wife beater underneath. Hey, I this isn't a wife beater. This is a tank top undershirt. That's a wife beater. I don't beat my wife. Anyone looking at that would call that a wife beater. That's that, what it is. That's because they're misogynists. That is, you know, the uniform of perps <laughs> on cops. You're wearing it. What, what you gonna do? All you need is a chain wallet and a piece of foil in your pocket, and you're ready for cops. A piece of foil? For, to hold your cracker rock. Oh, okay. Is, yeah. that, is that what goes in the foil? Yeah, that's what's in the foil, Steve. Do people who, who do smoke crack... Um, haven't I guess I guess that's why they beat their wives. I, I don't know because they want more crack and I, their wife has the crack. Is that how it goes? I have no idea. I have never hit my wife. I've never smoked crack. I haven't watched cops in twenty years. I haven't watched it probably in a decade. Yeah, is it still around? I think so. I don't know if the episodes are new, but I know it's still on. Gosh, I hope they're still making it. I catch it on like. Uh, I bet it would feel super channel politically now. incorrect to watch it these days with everything in the news. You know, now with every, with all of the upgrades to police technology, cop they don't even need the producers of cops. The producers of co- or they don't need like the camera crew. Right. The producers just need to go buy the uh, body cam footage. You know what they should do? Because I keep hearing that they're having trouble with body cam footage. The, the cameras are cheap. Implement, yeah. Implementing the cameras are cheap. The footage storage is stupid expensive. Oh, yeah. Because you're you're collecting, you know, like 10 hours of footage per cop per day. Yeah. And it's just sitting there somewhere in case the file needs to come up for a case. Yeah. And so it's just storing all this footage for, you know, let's say there's 50 cops. Sure. That's a ton of information. Hey, Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the Dropbox Pro. Yeah, get a get it on get it on your Google Drive. Know that like all these police stations are having to invest in like serious like computer servers, storage yeah. situations, and it's actually really expensive. So that's kind of the the leap that needs to happen. Yeah, with I that. mean, and even for like medium medium definition footage, like what is this a know, law enforcement podcast? No, this is a this is a film quality podcast. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's let's just get straight into what we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, speaking of film quality. I know, right? Uh, so, let's talk about YouTube. YouTube. YouTube we, is a platform uh, started, I believe, in 2005. The very first video was at the San Diego Zoo. Was it the pandas? No, it was just some guy at the San Diego Zoo, I think. Oh, okay. And he's like, here I am at the zoo. I got uh, a yeah. camera. Here's my footage. And then he put it on YouTube, and he was the very first. YouTube is crazy. So, anyways, we have been doing demo videos... On the YouTube. Yeah, we've got about uh, 27, 28 videos up now. I Something think. like that. We have 560 subscribers and uh, tens of thousands of views. Um, some of our videos are becoming very popular and people are really in love with the style that we do. Yeah, oh, yeah. We do like these really theatrical intros. Uh, basically, we want to talk about the contests that we're doing and we want to talk about the business of of doing gear demos sure so first off let's mention the contest we're trying to get our subscribers up uh we'd like to get 2,000 subscribers and when we get 2,000 subscribers we're going to give away a jhs steak and eggs steak and eggs to a random subscriber yeah i'm going to compile the entire list of 2,000 uh-huh i'm going to find a random number generator uh-huh i'm going to generate a random number 
Okay. And whoever's number gets randomly generated is going to win a prize. As long as they respond to our message to them about the, their prize, they're going to win that prize. What, we'll wait like a week or something? Yeah, we'll probably record a video announcing the winner. We'll put it up on Instagram. Like, we'll put a and put YouTube. the winner on Instagram. We'll put the video on YouTube. We'll announce it pretty much in every way that we can think of that this person might be watching us. And yeah. we'll give them like a week. Yeah, and if they don't, if we don't hear from them, if they're just not paying attention, then, then we'll do it again. Yeah, we'll we'll hand it off to the next person. So easy peasy. There's no uh, no way that we're gonna like just pick someone that we like or pick someone that we thought did a good comment or you know our best friend on there or whatever. It's gonna be totally random. Um, it's yeah. a great pedal. You guys are gonna love the steak and eggs. We did a demo of it. You can watch it on the YouTube, obviously. Yeah. Um, and well, let's talk about why we're doing this. Why would we want more subscribers? We get tons of views because people are looking for those pedals and they find our videos and they watch them and they enjoy them. Well, when we when we launch these videos, the uh, the manufacturers promote the video and they're very proud of yeah. of it. Uh, the reason and is we're gonna, we're gonna kind of crack open yeah. so the industry here for you. So a the bit. way YouTube works is um, you can set up your YouTube. Uh, to be a monetized video sure, where you get paid about $1 per thousand views. And our goal is to make $2 per video. So in order to make $2 per video, <laughs> we need about 2000 subscribers. I didn't know we were trying to make $2 per video. Yeah. So in theory, well, like right he, now we should have made $56 if we had 2000 subscribers. I think in total we've made like $15 on YouTube and but that's part of what I want to talk about is that we are going to stop monetizing the videos completely. I think we've already stopped, haven't we? I've taken the monetization off of almost all of them. I need to go through uh, before this episode airs and take it take it off all of, well, all of them. Basically, we want people to enjoy the videos. We don't want people to have to deal with the ads and to crack open this little cottage industry a little bit of gear demo videos. People get paid to make gear demos. Right. It takes up time. It's a skill set making it takes, videos. It takes an exorbitant yeah. amount of time to make these demos. When I shoot here, like the, the cute little intros that we do, that takes half of a day. Right. With another person here helping me minimum. If we bring in extra talent, then that's three people here. Right. Then it takes then it takes another half of a day to edit it all together. And then it takes another half of day for me to uh, kind of... Well, not half a day, but a couple hours to get the actual demo portion of the video produced. Sure. We're putting our full back into doing these videos because we want to kind of make a name for ourselves doing it. Uh, so it's a bunch of man hours just to make one of these videos. We are getting paid right now to do videos for people. We have a base charge. It's dismal. It's very small. Right. And we, appre we appreciate the money that we get. We very much appreciate uh, the manufacturers having faith in us. But we want to grow this. And part of that money, too, is, you know, originally we were doing these for free because we were just making, like, simple... Yeah. Like, here's Ryan wanking on a guitar for 15 minutes videos. And part of what shifted and allowed us to make, like, cooler intros and have, you know, better demos for certain things is we're bringing in a local videography company... Right to well, to do the filming, and we're uh, when we need to like we're bringing in local musicians to uh -huh. to pl 
play the, the instruments in and whatever. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, to kind of crack the industry open a little bit, like people aren't doing these for free. When you see uh, the bigger name demo guys out there doing videos, they get paid pretty decent for each one of those videos that they make. Like they didn't just go, oh, hey, I want to play with this pedal. I'll buy the pedal and I'll do the demo. That's part of how they make their living as part of their whole deal. Uh, we wouldn't mind being there along with them making better money doing this. Right. Um, and, and, and the way that you do that, the way that the, the manufacturers pay people is based on subscribers because that's a guaranteed audience. Yeah. Like there's going to be a natural audience you get just if a pedal is exciting. Like the, the Mufaletta demo, I think we're almost at 3,000 on that already. Right. That's just because people are excited about the pedal and they want to watch that, that video. The, the, Stry the Strymon dig. We're, I think we're close to 9,000 on that views already. Yeah. We've only got 560 something subscribers right now. So that's not our subscribers. That's people just interested, but we can only charge based on the amount of subscribers we have, Right. which is why we're doing this. Why we're going to start having contests to drive up subscribership is so that we can pull in more money to make this more worth it to us and to fund the podcast in different ways. And also I've been, you know, I've been paying uh, the people who come and help do this. I want to pay the talent. I want to pay uh, the the video people that come in and help with this. Uh, so that money gets spread around a little bit and it helps us produce some more entertaining content, you know? Yeah. And it, it has a pretty good value to the, to the manufacturer basically. Yeah, and in the long run, like a lot of the stuff that we make videos for, will spill over into the audio portion of the podcast, which means, you know, basically for the cost of hitting subscribe yeah. on YouTube, going to youtube.com slash 60 cycle humcast and hitting subscribe, you're going to get some slick videos of new products, some videos of maybe some older products. Uh-huh. Um, and then you're going to get to hear about uh, a full review, really, on the podcast portion. And something you get with us that you're not getting with a lot of the other big name demo video guys out there. And I'm not trying to throw shade on those guys. They all do great work. I love a lot of those guys. I love what they do. But something you get with us that you don't get from other places is our actual real opinions yeah. on this stuff. We're going to tell you how we actually feel about the pedals. We're going to tell you what excites us about it what things we think could be better. Uh, you know, you get the full impression of the gear from two people who are basic. We're basically hobbyists. Yeah. Where are you guys? We're, yeah, we're just like most people. We're not professionals. So well, you except get, we're taller than most people. Yeah, we're, we're taller than most people, but we're going to give you a real opinion. You can watch our videos. You're going to get more of the same of what we offer. You're going to get the same as what we offer from the podcast portion of our reviews. And we're going to get to have access to a lot more gear. I'm hoping we get to the level where basically the DODs and Digitex and bosses of the world are like, hey, we got to have these guys. Oh, do, that'd be cool. Do a demo. And then we'll, because right now we're hitting, it's funny because we're hitting the small guys. I'm doing air quotes, meaning the boutique guys. Uh, and those are pedals that are generally more expensive. But the big guys are making pedals that are generally more consumer-based priced. Right. And so we'd love to get to that level where we can do a wider range of priced um, merchandise, basically, that we can cover. Uh, just kind of open that world up to us a little bit more. Another thing I want to say 
is like I'm like I said earlier, I'm not trying to point fingers anywhere. I'm not trying to throw shade. I don't know if anyone in the gear demo industry does this, so I couldn't I couldn't point fingers anyways. But there are ways where for very little money, Steve and I could buy subscription numbers yeah. for our YouTube channel. We could buy view numbers on our videos. We could cook the books basically to tell uh, manufacturers that we have more subscribers than we do. And then they would, you know, feel inclined to pay us more. We don't want to ever go down that road. You guys know us. You know that we're people of character. We're never going to go that way. We want to have real subscribers Real. Real views. We want to have... And real California cheese. And real California cheese. Uh, I want to have us be on the level, basically. I yeah. want I want manufacturers to look at us and be like, these guys have a real audience that really engages with them and really listens to what they have to say about products. So I think we should kind of cut this off here, unless you have something more to say. YouTube.com slash 60 cycle home cast. Yeah. I just wanted you guys to hear where we're coming from, the reality of this business and uh, where we're trying to go with it. And, you know, it's 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 very it's something very simple that you can help us with that will get you some really entertaining content in the future. Yeah. This is my me practicing like my PBS pitch. <laughs> <laughs> just need to get Big Bird on here. To be like, yeah, send in your money right now. The the is that your Big Bird voice? No, I I couldn't even pretend to do a Big Bird voice right now. Just, you know, the people on the phones are waiting to take your calls, but all we want is a subscription, basically. So yeah, thanks thanks guys for doing that. I know that we have enough listeners and enough followers on Instagram and Facebook combined to more than hit our goal of two thousand. So we just need you know most of you to jump on your or browser or all of you or all of you. If if we pass two thousand, we'll come up with a new contest to hit uh, three thousand, to hit four thousand. Yeah. We've got we've got pedals to give away, guys. We have we've, a lot. I'll give away my punkifier. The uh, I'll, oh, the, the, uh, the slam, slam punk. punk. I've been a slam punk. I'll give away my. I've been oh, a boy. slam punk. Is that the the prize at four thousand? That's the prize at ten thousand. Oh we get boy, ten thousand subscribers. I'll give away my. I've been a slam punk pedal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we get into ads? Let's get into the ads. All right. I got to pull up my Google Drive here. Well, guess what? I'm on top of it. Oh, shoot. Handmade pedal board. Ready for pedals. This was set in by Adam Dolhanic. This is $150. It's from Reverb.com. Uh-huh. I got to rotate this so I can read it. What in the world is this? I'm going to go get a drink of water. You just start reading it. This looks like garbage. It looks like my pedal board that I built. Oh, it does. <laughs> So, like garbage. All right. This is a pedal board that was custom made for my pedal setup by a wood craftsman slash musician in Kentucky. Has an awesome vintage played worn feel. I'm getting rid of it because I'm getting married and need the space for my new family. The board measures 16 and a half by 27 and three quarters with a half inch riser for hiding wires and easy access to second row of pedals. Comes with lid to protect pedals with four and one half inch depth attaches with metal latches as double-sided mounting tape residue where some of the pedals were excuse me were used plastic velcro not double-sided mounting tape with a little work i think you could get the rest off why can i not read tonight i don't know because it's hot yeah rest off but the pedals will be on top so what's the point ideally can fit four boss size pedal on risers six boss size pedals on the bottom and enough room on 
two ends for most WAS slash volume pedals. Payment PayPal only within 24 hours of purchase, shipping free, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this thing, it caught my eye when Adam sent it in because it looks like my best attempt at making a pedal board. It's even got some of the same hardware that I used, I think. Like, I think that's the same kind of handle that I used in similar latches. Uh, the concept is looks completely functional. This thing just looks completely homemade. Uh, yeah, I don't know. 150 bucks, no way. I'm trying to figure... I guess I can see the layout... Um, well, there's like ghost reflections of the pedals that used to be on there. Yeah. From the Velcro leavings. Uh, like I can see that there were boss pedals on there. <laughs> all I can say is I guess maybe if you need a hard case, this is cool. But see, we're talking about six pedals on the bo- six pedals on the bottom, four pedals on top. And then two side long two pedals. Two side long pedals. Uh, which, Where do you put your power supply? Well, you don't. Yeah, exactly. Um... And that was the problem with my homemade board is that, yeah, I could fit everything I needed in there, but then the power supply, all the cables, everything was jumbled up along everything. It's really nice to have, you know, obviously I have the salvage board, which is really nice, but way more than 150 bucks to get one of those. But it's really nice to have some kind of way to tuck the cables and the power supply underneath everything even if you get a pedal train pedal trains are like 150 bucks right yeah i think you could get a pt2 sized board which i don't know what they call it now because it would be similar space there would be similar spacing to this it might be a little smaller Uh uh-huh but it would be pretty close and uh you could get a used one for around for probably less than a hundred dollars. Yeah, totally. In a soft case, I mean, if you really need the hard case, then I then I guess you really need the hard case. This is like a latched wood case, so it's going to weigh a ton. Yeah. Um. Well, the one I made was made out of termite wood, so it was really light. It still weighed way more than my PT two. Yeah. Which was way bigger than your board. Yeah. My it was it was a brick. And uh, I mean, at least the guy is offering free shipping. It doesn't look awful. I mean, this guy might have paid this woodworker guy more than this to make this board. This thing does, is not worth 150 bucks. Yeah, and the pictures, it very much looks DIY. I mean, the the carrying handle for it is basically like a gate latch. It's a, or, it's a shed handle. Yeah, it's a shed handle, and it's like... That's a $2 piece of hardware from Home Depot. Yeah, and it's attached to like two... Uh, one inch by one inch blocks in order to get like the screw length right. Yeah. Um, which is just like super amateur. Like he says, this was built by a wood craftsman slash musician. But like you said, this looks like one of yours. Right. This is this is wood shop. Uh, you know, like garage level. Yeah. This is like wood shop. Like your final project for high school wood shop, maybe. I don't think even think that good. You don't I, think it's good I, enough for a final project? I made a pretty bitchin' looking clock in Woodshop for high school. Well, it had a it had a plastic clock oh, okay. mechanism inside, but like the the case was like fine oak and glass and stuff like right. that. Right, looked really good compared to this. Like this is not what I what is getting at is that this this is not furniture grade. This is uh this is hardware grade. This is like something you would keep drills in in your garage, yeah, you know. No, for 150 bucks, uh just go get a Elements from Salvage Custom Shop 
Yeah. And then, which is, isn't going to cost you 150 bucks. It'll cost you hundred bucks, but then you have to find a case. Well, go to your local Goodwill and buy a suitcase. Yeah. Get a suitcase. Boom. I don't think those are as big as this. You can't fit as many pedals. Yeah, probably not. Um, but yeah, like we were saying, like the pedal train, there's a lot of options out there. Even you go look, yeah. go to rondomusic.net. They have cheap, cheap pedal board cases. Yeah. That are like, you know, the worst material imaginable. Probably that you probably couldn't, you know, like put another pedal case on them on top of them and have them survive. Right. They're, uh, but they'll, they're hard shell ish. They're, yeah, they're hard is in quotations, hard shell. But there's, you know, there's better things you could do for cheaper than this. There's better things you could do for the same price as this. There's better things you could do, obviously, for a lot more than this. Um, how much would you feel comfortable paying for this? Like, say it's not on reverb. Say you went to a garage sale and you saw this sitting out and you were going to give them a fair price All for right, it. Garage sale. I'll give you two prices. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to garage sale, I don't know, 20 bucks. Okay. Craigslist. Mm. If I was looking for a board, maybe fifty bucks. Okay, I Be think fifty bucks feels good on Craigslist for yeah. this. But garage sale, you know, you gotta go. You gotta go for the snipe at a garage. I sale. I feel like I yeah. After I said that, I was like garage sales are really bad example because I'd be going for five bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd be and then I'd want all the fishing tackle that was inside right, of right. it. Right, <laughs> right. I'm I'm like twenty five bucks, but that includes the silverware, right? Right, right, totally. Oh man, I just we just got a bunch of stuff from a estate sale a while back. Oh yeah, I got a this awesome record that was is country covers played on a Moog. Oh yeah, I want to hear that still. I lent it to Adam. Well, you'll never see that again. No, I'll see it again. But I was like, he saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks awesome. I was like, yeah, you want to borrow it for a little while? <laughs> it's really really cool. Yeah, it's a great album. It. Yeah. Okay, let's hey, move on to the next one. You know what? Ad. Before we go any further, oh. you, you forgot about this. Uh-oh. Maybe you didn't forget about it, but I just saw the picture. Oh, yeah. Welcome, Grayson Gould, yeah. to the 60 Cycle Hum Best Friends Club, 60 Cycle Hum Inner Circle, uh -huh. 10 bucks USD, even though you're in Canada, so you're paying a little... Like, I don't, what is that? Like 13 bucks in He's Canada? He's in the 10 bucks Best Bud Club. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Grayson. Uh, I, I got your t-shirt size. We are looking at ordering t-shirts in the next week or so. Yeah. I Well, we said that last episode. I've yeah, been waiting for the t-shirt size information from you, Steve. From me? From you. No, it's compiled. It's on Google Drive. Is it now? Yeah. Okay. We were just waiting, for, done. We were just waiting for one size. Unless you want me to add my size to it. I the, do. The person that... Okay. I can add my size. That's fine. Uh -huh. The person that we are waiting for is... Oh, Jimmy Jr. Jimmy Jr. What size shirt are oh, you? Oh, Jimmy Jr. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah. So, welcome Grayson to the club. Grayson was a guy who sent us some Canadian beers uh -huh. a while ago. Some laggers. Uh-huh. Laggers. And, uh, and uh, sorry for butchering this Canadian accent. Yeah. Also, but, I, uh, I owe Grayson some artwork. Oh, really? I've been so busy the last month. Like basically, I got pulled in as a uh, as a freelancer to do video editing, right? At a major like local video studio that does like broadcast commercials and all sorts of other stuff. So this past month, I've been doing that and all my normal work, right? Like at nighttime, so I've had zero time to do anything extra. So I I wrote Grayson earlier this week. I'm gonna get him the art really quick. I just, I had the sketches and I just need to render it. So. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, Grayson. 
I'm going to get that to you. Thank you so much for joining the, the $10 best friends club. Best friends. Um, it's, if you guys want to help contribute to the show, other than subscribing on YouTube, uh, look for our crowdfunding information on Podbean. Yep. Uh, at the $5 level, you get lined up with any merch that we make as we make it. At the $10 level, there's a host of other benefits. Uh, yeah. Basically, like all the videos that I've been making, I've been posting previews to the uh, the Inner Circle group. Uh, anything going on, we take votes there. We get input on how to run the show there. Uh, a lot of cool stuff happening on the Inner Circle. Uh, people, you know, talk to us there in ways that they don't get to talk to us on the regular group. Yeah. So thanks a lot, Grayson. Let's move on to the next ad. All right. This is a Gibson Corvus 3 from 1983. If this it, is the Corvus 3, I'd hate to see the Corvus 1 and 2. I think it's just the number of pickups it has. Yeah, probably. Uh, this is from 1983, like I said. And this color says it's silver, but it looks like gold. Eh, it kind of looks you know, kind of yellowed. You know, Gibson, when they, when they did the Corvus, because this is the same color set that they used for the sonics 180 uh-huh. and a couple other guitars from that era the silver that they used in certain lightings reflected like really yellow yeah it could also be oxidized it could be the room it's in um it could just be the camera that took the picture it could be my phone i don't know why we're worrying about the color of this yeah. guitar when look at the body on this guitar this gibson corvus 3 was made in the usa in 1983 it is, it is all original and in nice shape. Well, it's in a shape. I'm, I don't know if it's nice. <laughs> uh, it has been pro setup. It needs nothing. There's some dings and dents and some finish checking, but nothing major. It comes with the original case. Which the original case looks nice. really different. Yeah, I don't know how... I guess it would fit in there. But it looks like a banjo case. Right. Well, I think that's because the body is obscuring part of it. But right. yeah... You, you need to have that original case with this thing because this thing is crazy. I mean, talk about a weird uh, bottle opener guitar. Yeah, this is the classic bottle opener guitar, I think, when people talk about bottle opener guitars. Uh-huh. Uh, this and maybe the the pr one we talked about before from the previous decade, the Gibson Music Lander. Oh, yeah. Or whatever. They gave that. They had that three names for that thing. One was the Music Lander. What were the other? Oh, were you talking about the Fender Music Lander? Oh yeah, sorry, Fender Music Lander. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot what the other two names were, but basically they were like surplus Mustang bodies. Yeah. That somebody decided to like cut the tail out of. Another weird, like, who dreamt up this shape? I can't. It looks like an oven mitt almost. <laughs> it does. It's got a thumb and it's got the hand part. You know what? Like, I think if this would have come out. And, and maybe that's what happened with this. If this would have come out in like 58, I think this I could see this being like one of the classic weird guitar designs. I can't imagine this coming out anytime. It's so bizarre. But think of... I. In fact, I feel like I read a story somewhere that this was one of the body shapes that was in the running with the Flying V. No. And what was the other one that came out? <laughs> the Explorer. No, you're thinking of the Modern. Oh, I am thinking of the modern. Yeah, which is totally different from this. No, modern's weird too. Yeah, but it's less weird than this. The modern at least kind of makes sense just in like, okay, this is just a body shape that never caught on. This right. is a body shape that should have never existed. And then it's Gibson trying their 
their best to do a six in line headstock. Yeah, Gibson did a few guitars with the six in line in this era. They did the Corvus. They did the Victory. Yeah. Uh, they did um, the M3, the M series guitars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which was like their entry into the sh- Super Shredder contest. Like, what were uh, they thinking with every part of this guitar? I don't understand a single a single part of this guitar. I don't understand. Well, you know, explain it to me, Steve. These are the kinds of things <laughs> throughout time. It seems like you know, once every twenty, thirty years or whatever, like the people at Gibson just decide they're going to do something weird. I feel like it's more like ten to fifteen years. Like every ten to fifteen years. They like completely just crap the bed. I'm trying to figure out what they did like 15 years ago. Um, there's got to be something like every now and then they come up. Like think about not even 15 years ago, the reverse flying V. Right. Yeah. Like stuff like that where you're, well, that was like a special run. Where yeah, were, at least that was special. They run. were trying to be funny with it. I think like, yeah, that was kind now, of a joke. Every now and then they do something so out there. It's like, what are you guys smoking? Like the most recent thing is this year's models, 2015, yeah. this year's model played by Elvis Costello. And we just found out like in the last week and a half that they're completely going back to 2014 specs. Which I'm not surprised about at all because when the 2015 SR came out, uh-huh. the list of, which was basically, I don't know if SR... That was only like a month ago, right? Yeah, I've heard that the SR stood for different things. I thought it stood for like special run or short run. It probably stands for sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and those things sold... So yeah, quick. everyone, everyone I saw was super excited about it. Let's just clear the air on one thing first. Longtime listeners, people in the Facebook group get this. A few episodes ago, we did a twenty Gibson twenty sixteen leaked right uh, episode. I had made a, a fake leaked ad from Gibson that showed like the new twenty sixteen models that had a bunch of just baddie out there new features in keeping with the new features of the two thousand fifteen line. Right, right, and we made a video, and we still get comments. Like that video dropped, I think two months ago uh-huh. and we get comments still on it from like, especially with the 20, the new 2016 line being announced. Uh-huh. We get comments on that video where people are like, be like, Oh, this, this is a joke, right? Like, yeah. Oh no, this, this can't be real. Wait, yeah. these guys seem really serious about this. <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. Hopefully you, la- hopefully you listen to that episode. And it was a big it, old and joke. Got it and got the joke. Anyway, uh, the 2015 line, We've said this from the beginning of, of the whole 2015 thing. If they would have put out like one or two Les Pauls, one or two SGs, right. you know, maybe like a fire. I don't, they probably wouldn't have done a fire bird, but like one or two Les Pauls, one or two SGs yeah. kept the rest of the line. Basically the same as 2014 people would have bought them. Yeah. People, a lot of people just said like, Oh, Gibson, this is weird. But I think a lot of people would have bought the new models just to try them out, just to have it as like, oh, this is this is like a piece of history. Right. Someone like, someone would have put big money into it to be like, oh, I get the new Gibson every year. Yeah. You would have hit that crowd. Yeah. Uh, when Gibson did the original uh, robot stu- models, they did a like a robot standard in a robot studio. Uh-huh. And those flew off the shelves because yeah. they only did two models with them. I want to say that was like 
five, six, seven years ago. And people wanted like to try him. People wanted to try it out. People who tried that out would have come back and said, I want the latest version of this. The people that tried it out and liked it anyway. Yeah. Um, but by forcing your entire Nashville line, with the exception of like three signature models. Yeah. Uh, to make the changes, like it just alienated a lot of people. Well, they're t- they're 2015 line. Let's just you know, let's just cut to the chase. They screwed the pooch big time. Every, everything I had heard from people like in the industry is that people who have guitar stores couldn't sell them at all. Couldn't sell yeah. 2015s, and and they have to buy, you know, the way the industry works, you have to buy a minimum of them. So people, yeah. are, people are pissed in the industry who own shops, who are retailers. Like we had to buy all these. We can't sell them. No one wants them. As soon as they come at, came out with the SR line, which was a limited run of, of Gibson's basically at normal spec without right. all the new features, those sold up like sold out like same week. Yeah, everyone bought them up. Everyone wanted to have a 2015 that was normal, and those things are probably going to be collectors now, just because they're the the small run of normal 2015. Oh, the SRs, yeah, yeah. Um, and so now they're going back to regular spec for 2016, and they're lowering prices back down, like they're completely going back on everything they said. Uh, they when they came out with the 215s, they're like, we're sticking by our guns. This is the way Gibsons are going to be from now on. And it was just seemed so forced and so like, what is wrong with you people? And now they're having to go completely back on their word, which is good because their word sucked. Yeah, apparently SR stands for stood for sprint run. Okay. Um, but it probably what it what it is is they were like, we none of our guitars are selling. Everyone is pissed at us. We need a sprint to make up that money. Yeah, we need to we need to test the market real quick and see if people are will actually buy what they say they want to buy. Yeah. And then people bought what they say they want to bought from Gibson. Yes. And so they're like, okay, we've got to give them what they want, which is what they should be doing anyways. Yeah. So if you jump on musician's friend, probably Sweetwater, pretty, probably any of your major retailers, look up Gibson 2016. It's going to bring up, I, I think, think they're already selling them. Yeah. Well, they're, they're at least already pre-ordering them on Sweetwater. I think on, is Sweetwater actually selling. Them? I think I saw an ad form today. Right. But I don't know if that, if they're actually like shipping them, I wouldn't be surprised if they start shipping them very soon. Right. Well, the whole lineup's there. I think there's something like 17 total instruments in total in the line. Yeah. Prices are all over. I mean, I think the cheapest one, there is a, uh, I think they're calling it the Gibson LPM. Yeah. Which is basically a Les Paul Jr. style guitar with a humbucker. Like only a bridge humbucker. Uh Uh-huh. And a wraparound tailpiece. Right. So, you know, like the Green Day model. Yeah, Basically. sort of. But, well, what's weird is I don't think it's a flat top junior. It's like a studio. Oh, but okay, it's, interesting. It's like a single pickup studio with a wraparound tailpiece. I could be wrong. I didn't look too closely. Yeah. But they've got their studio line back. I think that's at $1,300, $1,400, which is where it's been for a couple of years. Yeah. All the way up through the standards. And I don't, I'm not sure if they have customs, uh, but they've got the full range from basically $4,000 down to like $800 yeah. of Gibson models. And it's, you know, people are really excited about them, as I think they should be. Yeah, well, they want they want what they expect out of Gibson. And you think about how long it takes to build a guitar. Let's imagine it takes minimum three months to build a Gibson. Once you're done with, you know, letting the uh, the glue and the finish cure. Sure. Um, 
and it take it takes a good amount of time to make a set neck too. Setting a neck is is a process compared to a. Uh, I don't know if it takes that long. It's look it up. You'll be surprised. Um, so the SRs came out last month, July. So they knew that they were in trouble two to three months into the year. Right. And started hauling ass on making new guitars that they hoped would sell. Let's be honest. And they did that. They did the SR run. And then as soon as those sold out, they started hauling ass on the 2016s to get new stuff figured out because then they knew the 2015s were a disaster. Let's be honest. Uh-huh. You ready for some honesty? I'm on, I'm ready for your honesty, Steve. Lay it on me. Somebody on the executive team at Gibson saw our YouTube video. Oh, yeah. And they were like, damn. Yeah, these guys made a point. So whoever it was, thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for understanding what we were trying to convey. Right. And um, when you are ready to send us our uh, free lineup of Gibson guitars as a thank you, uh, just shoot us an email and oh, we totally. will give you our addresses. And we will give you very positive reviews on your 2016s. As long as they don't suck. As long as they don't suck. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What's our third ad? <laughs> oh, we have this great ad that Co sent in. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Where are Ooh. you? Where are you? Man, I got the burps. It's from this beer we're drinking. You want to talk about it? Yeah, I got this beer. Uh, the place I work is right next to Rough Draft Brewing Company or Rough Draft Brewing or whatever they're called. Uh-huh. Uh, they are a local San Diego brewing company, of course, yeah. because I live in San Diego and I work in San Diego. Of course. And their tasting room and brewery is, is next to my work. And uh, this is their amber, which is a it's a pretty straightforward amber. I think it tastes pretty good. Um. They're really kind of known locally for their IPAs. They've got a couple award-winning IPAs, I think. Okay. Um, but uh, I've had their Amber, and I've had a couple of their other like uh, more interesting beers. They have one called the um, Embuzzlement, I think. It's an Embuzzlement Ale. Uh-huh. And it is a barrel-aged Belgian that's super good, super strong. I haven't had a lot of their beers, and I haven't been to their tasting room yet. We should go sometime. We should. We need to get lined up with some uh, with some breweries around here and record in tasting rooms. Yeah. There's so much noise, though. I think if we could figure out how to get it to get into one during off hours, I think it would be fine. And okay. maybe switch to some dynamic microphones instead of compressors. It would probably be fine. Compressors? Some compressor microphones? Condenser. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so hot right now. Yeah, dynamic right. microphones instead of condensers, and we'd be fine on, in a uh, location like that. Yeah, they're a cool place. They actually have a room. Uh, they actually have like a conference room there. Oh, so I wonder if we could like just sit up in there and probably and like just order beers. Yeah, we should do that. Okay, uh, so this was sent in to us by AdWizard Co. Yeah, um, it is the Soaring Tortoise Electronics Washed Up Disco Overdrive uh, Hermit Crab Case Series. This thing is out of control. It is $105 on reverb. Um, I can tell you just by looking at this that this is a case from a washburn pedal. Okay, yeah. If you zoom in on the picture, you can see where he's where where the original text is. Oh, for washburn, and they changed it to washed up. They and just left he, the W. And then he's he scratched stuff out, and then done like his own like fix on it with 
like white out or white paint or something like that. That's why it's the hermit crab case. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he scratched an information for instead of gain that says Gloria. Oh no. I, that must be, I love this. No, where it used to be gain. He put in an ER afterwards for gainer. Yeah. So, cool. and then he wrote in, I think he's, it must've said like distortion overdrive or disc or overdrive or something like that. The, and he wrote in disco before overdrive. Yeah. So the, I believe volume knob is Gloria. The distortion knob is gainer. This this is the disco overdrive. That is, you know, I'm I don't know if it's a a dad thing, but uh-huh. I'm str- I I'm loving this pun. Yeah, the Gloria Gaynor disco. I I think it would be just be better though if it, instead of calling it the disco overdrive, it was called the disco overdrive. Oh my gosh, this thing's out of control. Do you want to read the description? Uh sure. The world has too many blues overdrives. Soaring Tortoise Electronics would like to introduce the world's first, and perhaps thankfully only, Disco Overdrive. The washed-up Disco Overdrive is made from 100% recycled materials and is part of a Soaring Tortoise Electronics Hermit Crab Case series of pedals. You can view a video demo below. This full-tone OCD slash Joyo Ultimate Drive style crunch Crunchily crustaceous circuit crawled into an empty Washburn Blues overdrive enclosure for safety net. It is ready to pop out at the flick of a switch and crush lesser overdrives with its massive claws. The washed up disco overdrive features controls for Gloria and Gainer and also has a very handy high waist control. The unit is true bypass and operates on a single 9 volt battery or any boss style 9 volt DC adapter. Because the washed-up Disco Overdrive case is made from used parts, it does display wear from its former life as a department store guitar pedal, which, in this case, is some pretty serious gouge marks on one side which go completely through the finish and into the metal. See photos. Truck on down to your local discotheque and get your own washed-up Disco Overdrive or get one right here on Reverb. So something crazy about this is that he... I don't know if the switch that was on this filled that space... Or no, he, that's cut. He cut this out. It's not a foot switch. He put in like a rocker switch. Yeah. So you got to turn this on and off with your hand. There's no LED on this. There's no LED. So who knows? This is a crazy homemade project. How much would you pay for this, Steve? $35. I think if I knew the guy, I'd be like, this is crazy. I'll give you $50. If I knew the guy and I knew exactly what went on here and I trusted, I, I, and this is like a cheesy, this is, folk, this is pretty this cheesy is folk art at this level. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like this is similar to, uh, it's in a similar genre, uh, of art, so to speak. Yeah. As what Ed Chu does with wrought iron leatherworks. Yeah. He the does different, it a lot cleaner. He than does this, it a lot though. cleaner. He does it a lot more, uh, I think, well thought out than this. Absolutely. But it's kind of in that vein of like recycling something and yeah. giving it a new life. But I also totally get why people are paying. Like I, I don't know how much. I, I you pay good money for his stuff. You pay decent money for Ed's stuff, and it's worth it because it looks like it was intentional. Yeah. This kind of looks a little hacked up, which is what they were going for. 
but this looks like some dude's garage product. Yeah. Project. Uh, it started with a pedal that is maybe worth fifteen to twenty dollars. Well, and that's the thing is is I'm so the f- this full tune full tone OCD slash Joyo Ultimate Drive style crunch. You can get a Joyo for thirty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Steve is perplexed. It's not worth a hundred and five dollars. Um, imagine a world and ninety nine cents. So okay, imagine like I'm you're imagining ma- a you're world, Steve. A, you're making a transparent style overdrive in a world. In a world. In a world. Yeah. Uh, well, you you're say, making a transparent it, style overdrive. And you say. And you say. This is a Paul C. Timmy. I'm not going to keep doing it. Oh, okay. Slash Dan Electro CTO1 style overdrive. Right. Like, why do you reference the original product and its knockoff in describing your knockoff? Right. It's because this probably has the guts of a Joyo in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It is recycled. Yeah. Well, no, the, the the real issue is it doesn't have the guts of a Joyo in it. It has the guts of a Donner in it. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be more curious to see what the uh, the Washburn Blues Overdrive sounds like <laughs> that used to be in this. But this is this is a wacky thing. I think the guy knows that his price is a joke. Oh, you know what? There is a gut shot. Is there? Yeah. Um, it looks like it might be Veroboard. Interesting. So, yeah, it's really small on our picture here. Uh, so he might have put a kit in there. Still, dude, like this isn't worth what you're asking. No. If you want to sell a no, kit, no, no. that's fine. A, a kit build, but you need to put it in a case that makes sense. And people want to have that light, you know? They want to have that LED. And they yeah, want to have a... Maybe the LED's in there, but it's just like it was such a weird build they kn- that it's like recessed into the yeah. thing where you can't see it. But more than the light, people need to have a foot switch. And that's not a foot switch, buddy. I don't know where you got that switch, but that is like 100% wrong for what you want on a pedal. It's a foot switch if you're not wearing shoes. Yeah, it's a toe switch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get out of ads and get into the topic, which is a uh, some pedal reviewing. We're gonna do a pedal review. So let me uh, let me pause this to for us to get set up, and, and we'll also be, for station identification. For station identification, you're listening to Sixty Cycle Home. <laughs> uh, uh, here comes a traffic report and the surf report. Beep 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 beep. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, no one's. Uh, maybe they do that in other cities, but I think that's a San Diego only joke. Probably. All right. Uh, Okay, let's get set up. Okay, we're back, and we are going to talk about the JHS Mufaletta or yep. Muffaletta, Muffalotta, Muffalotta, Muffalotta. There, it seems like there's a million different ways to say it and spell it. Yeah, uh, it was funny because in the in the video demo that you can watch on the YouTube's, uh, in the intro, I spell it a few different ways. And uh, Josh Scott wrote me when it came out, and he's like, hey, love, love, love the video. He just really loved it. He's like, but I think you got the spelling wrong on the video. It's like, yeah, I kind of did that intentionally. Yeah. Because yeah. the uh, the video sells all over the place. It's all over the map being really wacky. Uh, you'll have to go check it out. We basically do kind of like a QVC home shopping network spoof. It's great. Stomp on it. Stomp on it. Uh, this pedal has just been kind of blowing me out of the water. 
Yeah. I'm in love with it. What I know you got to play with a, a little bit at church the other day, I got Steve. to run bass through it, and at least there's like, what, six settings on it? Uh-huh. Uh, it's five classic muffs plus a 2015 JHS-style muff. Yeah. Um, and at least I would say three of the six settings uh, are were like instantly usable for bass in terms of like low end retention. Yeah. Um, the other ones like would have been usable, but they're just, they're a little different. Right. Um, but overall, like it was just like a really cool yeah. pedal. Uh, definitely super versatile. It's, you know, it's such a novel idea that I kind of can't believe that someone hasn't done the exact same thing before. Right. And if they have done it, I apologize that I haven't recognized you or heard of you. But, well, you know, I have seen some people say, like, if you buy the EHX double muff and the EHX germanium muff, you basically have access to all of the same tones and you've got, uh-huh. like, more switches to so you can engage them more independently or whatever. The germanium muff doesn't sound anything like this. Right. Uh, I've got I, I one, don't know. I've got one right here and it's totally different. Um, this is... What this is, is five very classic sought-out styles of muff. I think there's some confu- was some confusion when it came out. People kept asking, well, does it have this mod? Does it do this sort of thing that is common on modded big muffs? It doesn't have any mods. This isn't a modded big muff. This is a straight representation of five classic big muffs. Right, or at least, you know, that's what they're going for. Right. When it, you know, it's not like they went through and copied each of the circuits exactly, but... But uh, Josh Scott is a, from what I understand, is a huge muff aficionado, right. and basically he took uh, five or six of the muffs that he owned and really tried to like hammer in, right? Like narrowed down that sound, and uh, so the switching on it is like the little toggle switch is a digital relay, and it allows uh, like the brain to switch between the different tone stacks, but everything else is analog. And one of the reasons no one's done this is just the footprint. Yeah, totally. And also, it's just, it sounds like it took some, like, two years to develop this. Yeah. Uh, hold on a second. I need to get set up to uh, record uh, the freaking pedal because I forgot to turn that on. Oh, good job. And we're running again. I'm We're set up here to, to rock. Let me show you. This is on the Civil War setting. Just a simple G power chord right there. Right. I'm playing through my uh, my Strat with uh, the McNally pickups in it. And here's Steve's 70s Strat. I, I just restrung this thing. I think you're out of tune. It's possible. I think it's the A string. All right. Well, let's not rely on that for now. <laughs> I'll, I'll run through it on my guitar. Um, if you want to tune it, that's fine. So that's the Civil War. Let's try the uh, the Russian setting. I'll switch back to the Civil War. So you can see that the Civil War, it seems like it has a little bit more bottom end. And then the Russian is tighter. And more lead-centric. Where the the Civil War is kind of bigger and more of like your rhythm guitar kind of muff, I guess. The uh, the the McCaffrey Green uh, Green Vodka that we have here is a is a Russian style, which is it sounds very close to this to the to the Russian. 
setting on here. Here's the Pi setting. And that's got more of like your angry bees kind of fuzz sound. Yeah, I think that was one of the ones that definitely played better with bass. Yeah. Like you really have like some more low end. Let's try the triangle. It's funny on the descriptions of all these, they all kind of mention... Like, oh, this is the one that you use for, uh, you know, this style of song or this band or whatever. And, like, I think more than half of them is like, oh, this is the one uh, used for Pink Floyd. <laughs> They're all used by Pink Floyd. So just use this whole pedal for Pink Floyd. Here's a triangle. Do a quick comparison to the Pi. That's Pi. That's Triangle. So more more bottom end on that one. Yeah. The, uh, the Pi was one of the ones. So now that you're like playing each one, I'm kind of like hearing right away which ones it worked for bass. And it was basically every other one. So I think the JHS uh, 2015 setting works really really well for bass. Uh huh. Uh, you're on triangle right now. Yeah, that one works worked really well for bass. I think Civil War worked yeah. pretty good for bass, and then uh, I think the Rams Head and the Pi were the two that didn't. Right. Let's try the Ram Rams Head real quick. Here's the triangle again for reference, and then switch to the Rams Head. Rams Head seems like it's even a little woolier than the. Uh, not to not to tell a pun about rams, but it's a little woolier than the triangle. It's See what got, happens. It's when got we... more fuzz going on, but it doesn't have like that low end. Yeah, I'm gonna bring up the tone on it. So that's one where you could push the tone and get more into like a classic guitar sound and be good. Are you think you think you're good on your tuning there? Just a second. I just wouldn't worry about it, man. All right, I'm good enough. Okay, here, try it out. You're. Yeah. So big. So big or so home. <laughs> now let's try the JHS. Now this is their own kind of Josh's own take on the Big Muff circuit. Right. To his specs, what he wants to hear out of it, I'm supposing. That's so really big, really warm. That's the one that I feel like has the most. Those are all the right notes. Yeah, that's. I feel like that one's got a lot of big soft bass response on it. Yeah, it's it's overall it's definitely like a more modern sounding 
fuzz. It kind of um, has a slight nasal thing going on that actually reminds me a lot not to be like too stereotypical when it talks comes to talking about Big Mouth Pie, but I actually feel like it kind of has that like Dinosaur Jr. vein, like sure. nasal thing going on. Sure. So who's who's this pedal good for? Um, I think it's good for everyone. Because there's, there's a million muff pedals out there. Like, you got to th think, like, who is this pedal for? And this pedal is for, when I think about it, is for people who are curious about sure. all the different models of fuzz of muffs. Like, I've owned probably three or four different muffs over the years. Right. All have been kind of different styles. And it's like, well, when I've got one, it's hard to tell how one is versus another. This really spells it out for you. See, this is like a springboard into a serious big muff addiction. Yeah, I, I like think if you're if you're curious about big muffs and you don't want to buy five big muffs to try them all out, then you get this thing. It's two hundred and thirty bucks. But you could use this to figure out what style big muff is your style big yeah. muff. Or if you already know, like there there are a couple muffs that you like that are completely different styles, and you want something compact. Yeah. And you're not using those fuzzes at the same time or you don't need to change between them like in the same song. Yeah. So you have the option of like changing your setting in between a song. Or say you're a multi-instrumentalist. You play bass and you play guitar. One muff does it for bass. One does it for guitar. Yeah. You do it all in one box. Yeah. There are definitely better muffs on the market than... Well, the, I wouldn't than say the... better. I'd say more appropriate for different uses. Right. Well, I, I guess there's... Because there's... A million muffs out there now that are super modded, right? Where you can adjust all sorts of different settings. On yeah, it. I guess that's what I mean. It's like, you know, we've talked about it here before. I'll just mention it again the the green vodka muff. Yeah, or the green vodka it's a very, from McCaffrey. It's a very specific take on a uh, Russian muff. Yeah, and so it's got a little more uh, tonal. Uh, it's got a little more tonal options in terms of like the switching and toggles and whatnot. Uh -huh. There are muffs on the market that have like three band EQs or at least like at least like a little more EQ or like a mid boost or something. Yeah. And I know a lot of people with muffs, like their complaint is like, Oh, it, it scoops too much mids. Um, if you're not a person who has that complaint and you want again, more than one muff, if you're buying two, if you're buying two high end muffs, you're already over 230 bucks. Oh, easy. And here you're getting six of them. Yeah. And uh, they're all high end quality sounds. Yeah. What I'd what I'd say as far as, you know, EQ options and stuff, that's really what the different switching models on here are for. Some of these have more bass, some of them more have more mid, some have more high. You you find the one that fits your mix in the moment, you know, where you don't have to go like, oh, which big muff should I bring to this gig? This one has everything that you need in it. Steve's gonna play guitar. Here no, that's go. yours. Oh, there you go. Trying to roll off the tone, but I can't so, seem to find my tone. Note. So pick a power chord and chug it for a little bit. So this is an A chord. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll uh, through go the, the five settings. I'll go on the bridge pickup so it's a little hotter. Yeah. 
And this is just, this is going to be an A. This is with the tone at noon, the volume at noon, and the gain at, uh, what do we, what do we call that? Uh, three o'clock. Three o'clock. So that's uh, that's all the settings on there, and you can hear how dramatically it changes the the flavor of the of the of the muff. That's the JHS. That's the sheep's head. The ram's head. The, sh <laughs> the sheep's head is the joke from the video. It's a triangle. You mean the Mike Matthews head? There's the pie. There's the Russian. The Civil War. I mean, you just get a bunch of flavors, all kinds of different EQ. I think it's a great buy. When I when we found out about this pedal, we got to find out about it ahead of time because obviously they shipped us the pedal to do the demo to coincide with the launch. Yeah, I had a tough time sitting on my hands with this one because it's just such a cool pedal. Right. It was tough not to tell everyone about it. Uh, hey, everybody, let us tell you about this thing that we agreed to keep confidential. Yeah. I uh, I hope they. I hope JHS or other companies run with this concept and give us, you know, six in one versions of lots of other pedals, you know, yeah. I'd love, you know, like this kind of how the Palisades is, right? Whereas like every tube screamer you could imagine in there, this is every muff you could imagine. Basically, maybe JHS will come out with a mod version at some point that has common mods. Uh, I don't know how impossible that is to design. I'm going to say that that is very unlikely. Maybe you could buy this pedal and then send it back to JHS and pay them to mod it the way they mod other people's pedals. I'm going to go out there and say that that is probably very unlikely. <laughs> well, anyways, I love it. I don't know how you feel about it, Steve. I think it's great. I'm, I'm really I'm, stoked that we have this pedal to mess I'm half expecting with. that whoever wins our 2,000 subscriber thing is going to be like, I don't want the steak and eggs. Send me the Mufaletta. Uh, <laughs> well, the steak and eggs is really great, too. You haven't got to play with that I yet. I haven't, bastard. So maybe, maybe I should send... Whoa. <laughs> maybe I should send that home with you tonight. Maybe. And you can play with it. I really yeah, like I'm it. I'm playing Sunday, so... Hey, there you go. You're playing guitar? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, play with it on Sunday. Let's start talking about this bellwether. The bellwether from Walrus Audio. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, here's my clean signal. That's just my Strat with the McCaffrey pickups into the Princeton reverb reissue. Uh, the neat thing about this pedal is everything. This is a really full-featured yeah. analog delay. Here it is with the analog delay on. There's just about everything on here. There's a tone control. So you could make your repeats bright or dark or somewhere in between. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's your standard delay controls. You've got time and repeats and level. Uh, there's, there's a modulated signal There's modulated. Kind of a neat like chorus vibrato yeah on the modulation there 
there is a effects pedal control, so you can control either the time or the repeats. I haven't got to mess with that too much because I don't have a good expression pedal right now. Uh, in the future, when I get an expression pedal, I will do a demo of that. But I don't have one right now. What I do have is a cable that allows me to use the FX loop on this thing, which is something I have been having a ton of fun with. If you watch the demo video that's probably going to come out, I'm going to guess Tuesday or Wednesday. If I really, really hustle, it'll come out Monday, but I kind of doubt it. But we're, we did a really cool demo video for this thing. I throw basically everything I own into the FX loop. Uh, I've got the electroharmonics pitchfork right here uh, set to an octave setting. And I'm going to show you what it sounds like in the effects loop of this guy. So it gives you, you can put anything in the effects loop, anything you own, yeah, and modulate or affect the delay. Yeah, only trails. the repeats. It's not your original signal; it's just the repeats. So with that, with the with the pitchfork in there, my original signal is clean, and then the repeats are all modulated to a different pitch. On this case, an octave. I've been having a lot of fun with the uh, the fifth setting on the uh, the pitchfork with this. Like there's some really neat things you can do if you plan it out and know where your uh, where your fifths are gonna land within the song. You yeah, know? like I've said this earlier before we start recording. The and I know we're not really like focusing on the pitchfork, but the pitchfork really is a pedal that like you don't just throw it onto your board. Like it makes you rethink the way that you're playing. Yeah, you got to think out your notes, especially if you get into the fifths. Octaves, I feel like I can kind of just run with the octaves and it's not a big deal. Let me just throw this on the super high octave where it's uh it's three high and three low. Right. So it sounds like an organ is chasing you down the street, basically. Yeah. As you're playing, it's it's just a fun thing to do. Other things I've had fun with this, with the effects loop on the bellwether, is throwing in wah, throwing in a an, just like a basic like six bandy EQ is a lot of fun. Right. It's fun to throw dirt in there. Like fuzzes are fun. Uh, overdrives are fun. Have you thrown a compressor in there? I didn't throw in a I compressor. I feel like a compressor could really make for some really interesting, like, gated... Yeah, totally. Uh, ...repeats sort of a thing. Maybe I'll set up a rig and get extra video of the compressor. It's a lot of work to set up the rig, but sure. we'll see. Um, it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of great things i got to say about this pedal. Uh, I've never really messed with tap tempo that much, but this has it, 
and I've been using it. I've used it at church twice now, I think. Right. I've used tap tempo each time, like forcing myself to do it. And I, I've never been a tap tempo guy, but I like, I get it now. Like, let me see if I can tap into something. This does a thing we were talking about a few weeks ago where you get the repeats going long enough. kind of like change the time for some right. interesting effects uh when the repeats are going long enough Maybe if i bust up the level a little bit so definitely like some fun experimental stuff you could right, do right right really neat things what do you think of this pedal, Steve? Uh, you know, the pedal that we've been seeing a lot of people compare this to is the Memory Lane 2. Uh-huh. The Memory Lane 2 is discontinued, so it's hard to find them cheap. It's bigger than the Bellwether. Yeah, it's more expensive size. than the Bellwether. And I think if you're, like, looking for, like, kind of a wonky sort of crazy analog delay with tap tempo... And just a bunch of other features with the expression, with the stereo, or uh, not stereo, but with the um, the effects loop, with all these different features, modulation. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else I would want try to compare this to. Yeah, I, I'm not that familiar with the JHS Panther series, so they might be. Well, I think that one's kind of in that ballpark. More but, straight ahead too. Like right. When you think of what the pedals that Walrus offers, like kind of their jam. Yeah is these kind of like funky allow you to experiment kind of machines. Sure. Like you think of like the Janus, that thing's out of control. Right. Like, That's the trem fuzz. Yeah. The trem fuzz with the Joey sticks or joysticks. Yeah. The joysticks. That's just what I've always called them. I know it's, it's, I say all sorts of stuff wrong, but uh, this is well within that world of allow you to do weird stuff. I can't wait to get an expression pedal attached to this to control the time and the repeats. Um, a thing that was a lot of fun that I did in the video is you put a volume pedal in the FX loop and that allows you to put the delay on a super long repeat and then swell it in. Right. Which is just really great, especially if you do like ambient sort of stuff and you want to be able to control that. It's the sort of thing that once you do that, if that becomes your thing, you're always going to have to have it. Right. You're going to have to get a second volume pedal just to always do you're it. You're going to need to get a second bellwether just to do your normal <laughs> delays. In the video, I run a bellwether in the bellwether. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. It sounds really nice, actually. Like, really dark, really, like, spooky and almost, like, spiritual. Huh. Like, it's got a neat sound to it right. when you run a bellwether inside of a bellwether. So go ahead and buy two bellwethers. Buy three bellwethers. Tell Walrus Audio you heard that from us. Yeah. Uh, as far as negatives with this, there's two things. One is so minor that it's a joke that I'm, I'm saying it. It's the little plastic, little rubber grommet that goes around the power oh. sleeve. 
that thing will come out so easy. Right. So if you want to make sure you keep that when you get when you buy a bellwether, just pull it out and leave it in the case. Right. And you know, you're you because we've been demoing this, it's probably been in a, a little more it's probably gotten more abuse in like the week that we've had yeah. it than most people's spells because are gonna I'm see in a lifetime. Constantly unplugging it. Yeah, and you're unplugging it, it, you're putting it on different boards, you're doing different things for demos. Yeah. So it is getting a lot more work. And another thing that I've noticed and I I did a little back and forth with a Colt, the uh the owner over there at, at yeah. Walrus. Uh it does have a little bit of a white noise when you engage the pedal. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it on the recording right here. Um Here's what I have to say about that. There's a little bit of white noise when you engage it. If you are one of those nutty people who runs uh, a lot of overdrive after your delay, or you run a delay straight into a heavily overdriven amp instead of running it in the effects loop, right? then that white noise will affect you. Yeah, I think it's gonna. You're talking about like some major high gain. Yeah, like I think if you're running an amp on the edge of dirty, it's probably not going to really probably be like not. an issue. I mean, basically, the way that I find this noise is was by cranking my Princeton Reverb, right? Which puts it at stage volume, but also puts it into a gain territory. So it is pronounced on that when I do that. Um, if you're someone like me who runs basically. Uh, all their drives before their delay and all their their time-based effects and then into a very clean amp, this isn't going to bother you. It's not going to bug you. If it does, then get a noise gate, you know, sure. like a decimator or something like that because uh, the features of this pedal way outweigh that issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's not an abrasive noise. It's a soft white noise. Yeah, it's, it's just... Uh not even really like a hum it's just it's just i don't i don't even know how to describe it's it soft white noise it's yeah. like a like the tv is left on or something like that you sure, know? sure uh so i just i couldn't have i couldn't talk about this pedal without us mentioning that because it is something that is there and i want to look out for our listeners who rely on uh you know our honest opinions and our honest input on these things and that's part of what we were talking about earlier with the YouTube demos is that's what you get with us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a great delay pedal. I'm really excited that we get to hold on to this thing and play around with it for a while and get to do fun things with it. Um, really just outstanding job, guys, over at Walrus. Super nice guys over there. Um, it looks great, too. Sounds great tons of features i have a feeling that i'm gonna get more and more used to using tap tempo yeah it was actually funny like watching you use it because you're so not used to using it yeah i had to really think about it that you're like you played it and then you're like thinking about like what am i doing now yeah like where you're just kind of like uh like oh you gotta find the rhythm where well once you get used to using tap tempo like you already know what you're tapping in like you feel it right away yeah yeah i mean i've seen you tap into things so often at church and i used this to tap into things at church the other week and i don't know if you watched me kind of try to figure that out i probably wasn't there (laughs) no you played bass the other oh that week yeah yeah um yeah it's it's a new thing for me but i've been having a lot of fun with it the tap divisions are are really interesting because i never really messed around with that uh i've been having a great time really cool pedal I like the size of it for being so full featured. It's uh, 
I would say it's it looks like it's the same size box as my germanium big muff, probably a little smaller than my palisades. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, um, it's the fi I think it's the fifteen ninety BB size. I have no idea, uh, but I could be wrong. It's definitely smaller than the memory lane two, which I think is another big pro. Uh, yeah. It has over that pedal. Absolutely. Um, especially, you know, if you are, you're getting pretty much all of the features of the memory lane too, uh, but you're getting it in a smaller package. And, you know, everyone, I know a lot of guys now who are kind of trying to like downsize their boards, but they don't want to sacrifice versatility. Yeah. And it's good that this thing's a little bit more compact too, because you're going to want to run stuff for that effects loop yeah you're gonna want to put a volume pedal in there or a wah uh i think i'm always gonna want to run the pitchfork in there honestly because i have had a lot of fun with that at church and other things that i'm doing um eq is really obvious to me because then you can really shape the tone of those right. repeats and there's there's just all sorts of stuff you can do it's just a lot of fun yeah okay well that's that's been our review of the bellwether I hope you guys check it out. Look for our video online. It should be coming out in the next couple days if you are listening to this episode when it comes out, which is a Monday. It is a Monday. Um, do we have anything else we got to say? I don't think so. We got a song this week. Yep. This song was sent by Gabriel Fernandez. Uh, the band is called Last Canyon. I don't have a website for them, but I imagine if you go on Google and Google Last Canyon Band, uh -huh. uh, it's going to come right up. This song is called Daymoon. Uh, I really enjoyed it. This is really in like the vein of a lot of the music that I uh, listen to, so I, I thought it was a really great track. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a, it's a fun kind of indie rock yeah. kind, of, uh, kind of vibe. Yeah. I'm looking forward to listening to it. <laughs> I I heard about 30 seconds of it earlier. Yeah, I have to admit. It was good enough to be on the show. Yeah. And if you guys want us to play recordings from your band, just send us uh your tr your MP3s to 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh please don't send Bandcamp or SoundCloud cloud links. We'd rather just have the MP3. Yeah, what's going to end up happening is if if we have a chance to listen to it, then we're going to have to send you another email that says like, hey, can you send us this track? Yeah. And you're going to have to send us the track anyway. So you know what your band's best track is. Yeah. Or you know what band, what song you want to promote for your band. Just send it to us. Yeah, yeah. We just don't, we don't want to have to do extra steps because it's already just, we're already doing a lot of stuff over here. And now the Mexican National Anthem. Uh <laughs>